situation. Hello, Sasha here, and welcome to the very first edition of Intuition, my new talk podcast. So most of you were made, well, some of you might know me from doing music and radio for the last 13 years. And that's what I've been doing. And I am now starting my next phase of my journey. I'm 49 years old. I'm coming up 50 at the end of the year. And I've got an awful lot to say. Anybody that knows me knows that I've got a lot to say. Uh, I used to chat a lot on the radio as well as play music. But for this, I'm going to be all about the talk. So this podcast is called Intuition. Intuition is a big, big thing for me. Um, my real initials are ESP, which stands for extrasensory perception. And I always used to kid about and talk about being psychic. And only, only ever kind of joking about it. But over the years, my intuition and my gut instinct and all of those things that you kind of following my heart have led me to really have an awful lot of faith now in my intuition and that that is my cat if you can hear her in the background scratching around because she wouldn't leave uh, she's sitting on the whistle box I'll tell you what's going to be happening with the whistles my whistle this is my original raving whistle not to diverge and go off on a tangent but I will be telling you what's going on with the whistles because it's very exciting um but right here right now we're here to talk about intuition and my podcasting journey. So what's it all about? So my gut instinct and my intuition has led me on a path. I've always kind of followed my own path. I left home when I was 16 and went off on my journey through life as you do. And I'm going to be starting this podcast with where my, what I would describe as my healing journey began I didn't know it was beginning at that time I didn't even know I was in need of healing although I knew things weren't going according to what I might have planned and uh, life was difficult really really difficult in 2010 there was the highs and the lows I was uh, flying around the world with my DJs and but there was some some difficult things going on in the background However, I'm not going to be starting there. I'm going to be starting where my my healing journey began. And that was at Burning Man in 2010. Now, I'm not going to tell you what happens in the podcast. Listen in. It's with two men that I met that year. Uh, one, Jeff Taylor, and the other guy, Skywalker. And you're going to meet them in this podcast. And it is how I managed to end up at Burning Man. If you've never heard of Burning Man, then maybe have a quick look up before you uh, listen or watch the podcast. And Burning Man is a art festival. It's held in the Nevada desert every year. It's now about 70,000 people and it becomes the second biggest city in Nevada after Vegas for one week only. And that is Black Rock City. So my healing journey began but I didn't know uh, in that desert, it was quite a trip. And this is what this podcast starts with. So this is Intuition with me, Sasha, your host. And off we go. Um, Darling, 
You look absolutely fantastic. Why, thank you, sir. You do. You mm-hmm. look beautiful. Thank you very much for saying. It's a fucking miracle. <laughs> it surely is. It surely is. I have got a very small amount of filter on, but you know. <laughs> um uh you know, I'm in my last I'm in my last year of my forties. Um yeah. and yeah, the last three years has been a fucking journey through through all kinds of difficult stuff. Um and uh it, it doesn't get easier with all of the crazy fucked up world out there. And the crazy fucked up people in it. Yeah. We're all crazy kids in the fucked up world, eh? I've been I've been going away from people, just escaping them. Yeah, I've um I've really delved into my spirituality. Um, and that has been a right journey, which I am gonna do another podcast about, but um yeah, it's been a very much a journey with oh here he is it's been very much a journey that started with Mike's brother dying yeah yeah um and the spiritual journey for it to be hi Jeff howdy here he is how you doing I'm doing great how you doing I'm good thank you it is raining I know it's been a while. It's raining here too. It's raining there it's too. The same. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are, we, are we talking about you know kind of world economy? Where are we talking about the weather? It's raining. It's tough. <laughs> As I am English, <laughs> we always start with the weather in England, don't we? Uh huh. <laughs> we always start with the weather, and it is pissing down as per normal in the UK. It's uh. <laughs> Is it raining in Connecticut? It's snowing in Boston. Yeah, it's uh, uh, we're doing weather. It's thirty-seven degrees. It is drizzling. Yeah. Uh, it's gray. It's uh, it's it's kind of just uh, blah. It's good though. I love it. We're, we're up. We're bre- we're yeah. up. We're breathing. Uh, actually, everything's awesome. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll pivot. I'll pivot so, from the agenda of the day, Jeff. Yesterday, I picked up a anvil. An anvil. Are you gonna are you gonna blow it up? I I, I don't know, but it was uh, a, a guy who um, was vacating his shop. He had a nice pig anvil, uh, maybe one hundred and sixty pounds. So I, I got to walk away with that uh, as a uh, gift. <laughs> wow! Yeah, uh, that's great. And and uh, an anvil. Uh, what reminded me of it was there was this woman that we met that was going to maybe do some fire for us one time. Uh, and uh, yeah. her her job uh, in life was to blow up anvils. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, uh, an anvil uh, is uh, basically just a lump of metal that she would explode into the air like 300 feet. And what then it would land. To, well, she, I, I, I can't remember her name. She was great. She was like burning yeah. in 2019. Yeah, she was. She she was. Uh, she's a very cool lady. So what a how, great how are we gonna do this? Are, are we gonna have a? Are we gonna have an official start? Or uh, and is it uh, just audio, or is it audio and video? So it's audio and video. 
Um, and uh, yeah, well, I'm going to do an official start. Um, and we're going to roll roll through it basically, and just have a chat about Burning Man. Um, and about, about my experiences with you and how I came into contact with you and what's, what's gone down, basically. So, so remind me, because it's been a while, right? I mean, we can do it live if you want to, but uh, let's just do I it think live. I was interested. Okay. Wait, unless you want to ask me, if you, if you want to ask me a question that is going to trigger a reminder or something before we start. Well, uh, yeah. the only... The only thing uh, I was, uh, I think I was chasing a couple of your DJs for Burning Man. I think is how I met you. Um, and if, if I, if, if I remember it right, and um, you could just remind me of, of uh, who those DJs were because uh, good, good guys. Uh, Jody was, was well, part of that. Jody Wisterhoff was, was part of that. Uh, actually, actually Jody converged with that group. Uh, but uh, I don't think Jody was originally uh, your your introduction. I think uh, Jody was just there that year. Uh, no, or I had Will, reached out. It was Will Bailey. But, yeah. Will Bailey. Yeah, and, 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 and who was, who's the other guy that has a couple names? Uh, great, great young kid. Filthy Rich Inspector. Uh, yeah, they, what's his name? Filthy Rich. Filthy Rich, and he's also known as Spectre and his techno alias. Um, and obviously, yeah, it was Jody Wistonoff and Elite Force was the other person that played for you, but it wasn't actually in my RV, which is a perfect start. And I will just kick off and start it because this is this is the gold that we need. So, uh, and, and and Will Bailey, he had a couple of aliases as well, right? Twocker. What Twocker? Twocker. And a bass <laughs> weasel. And he's uh, now, and he's now low stepper. Yeah. Uh, and uh, has continued to do well, right? He's done absolutely fantastically. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a brilliant artist. Um, yeah. He's, he's, he's been doing really well. And he's, uh, he's always, I've always kept in touch with him. And yeah, he's been flying around the world doing his thing. Um, very much on the kind of defected house style now. Um, and yeah, as low stepper. And, and then Elite Force, what's his name? Simon Shackleton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love him. I, I, I think he, uh, I think he has struggled. Uh, but I think he's a talent and he was Elite Force and also something else. Zodiac Cartel. And yeah. He was Zodiac Cartel, um, and before that, he was, oh, God, no, you're um, a lunatic calm. Yeah, so I, I knew him as Elite Force and Zodiac Cartel. Okay, we can start. Yes, <laughs> Elite Force, he's a big burner as Elite Force. So, welcome to the second episode of Intuition with me, your host, Sasha, and I am very excited and happy to be introducing two friends of mine who are all about Burning Man. And that is what this episode is all about. Um, it is actually when my healing journey first began, without me even realising it. I had no idea, but I do know now. Um, and it was due to these guys, or Jeff 
specifically that I actually ended up at Berlin Ram. Um, so welcome, Jeff Taylor, the king of the Root Society, is how I know you. Uh, <laughs> I love that. That's how I always think of you. Um, and his right hand man, Skywalker. Welcome to my podcast. Thank yeah. You. How you did? And you guys doing well? Um, yeah, we're doing. We're, we're doing great. I'm. Uh, I'm. Uh, I'm dropping my phone, but other than that, I'm on. <laughs> uh, uh, it's it's good. It's good to hear and see you. And uh, it's been fun to watch your transformation. Uh, you know, especially over the last few years, just as you're kind of reinventing yourself. And I think that is uh, that's part of the special sauce that like keeps life exciting. And uh, I, I'm uh, I'm excited to reconnect and uh, and chat. I'm excited as well. And yeah, it, it's been a, a, a mad and crazy and uh, messed up last three years. It has been quite a journey for us all. Um, and yeah, I'm just very happy to be here uh, live, well and kicking. Um, and yeah, it has been a, it has been a right journey. And, and that, um, that last couple of years is I've thought about Burning Man very many, many times and it, and it became something that meant a huge amount to me from the moment that I landed. Um, so to let everybody know, um, I was a DJ agent. So we're going back to 2019 was when I very first heard about Burning Man. And uh, it was 2019. I was DJ agent running Ideal DJs. And uh, I had an artist called Will Bailey who had other names, including Twocka and Bass Weasel. And he con let me know. He said, I've been invited to Berlin Ma. And I was like, really? And I believe, Jeff, and you can tell me if this is all right, because this is what this podcast is all about, as us kind of sharing the memories and, and reminding ourselves um, where it all began. Um, and yeah, it was on MySpace, as far as I'm aware, that you contacted Will and right. invited him to Berlin so, Man. So we should, we should qualify something. You said 2019, but I think it was 2009. Oh, 2009. Yeah. That's, that's typically right. me. Yeah. Thank there, you for correcting uh, me. So this yeah, is so why I don't I'm know. I, I, that, that's critical enough. You, uh, so and we're, so sort, we're going back we're to 2009. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if you might want to just kick that off again because that's pretty critical. Because 2019, you know, it, it it basically had played out, you know, whereas uh, 2009. Yes, yeah, so we don't need to go back again. It was 2009, and thank you for correcting me, Jeff. Um, uh, but yeah, we are going right the way back to 2009, um, and yeah, it was one of the MySpace days. Um, if people remember MySpace, and yeah, we'll told me that you contacted him on MySpace and invited him to Berlin Mount. Um, and being a DJ agent, I was like, oh, what's he offering? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the offer is to change your life. <laughs> exactly that. I didn't know that. Will didn't know that. Um, but being a DJ agent, you know, it was a normal thing. You know, how much the offering is. Like, well, well, apparently nobody gets paid for Berlin Man. I was like, Right, okay, well, if you want to do it, that's fine. But, you know, being the DJ agent, I was like, you know, I'll put it in the diary, you know, all good. But, you know, there's no money involved, so you can kind of sort it out between yourselves and, and I'll make sure it's in the diary. 
Right. Right. Um, as, as any good agent would. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so he went off to Burning Man. I remember him going off there. Um, he was doing quite a lot of gigs in the States at the time anyway. Um, I think he was in LA anyway. Um, and I remember him uh, coming out there, just flying straight into Reno, I believe. Um, yeah, you you yeah. had him picked up. Um, yeah, yeah. And he he came and did one or two gigs, I think, on the player with you. And all I knew at this point was when he came back. And I said, how was Burning Man? And he went, I sat in a wigwam and heated up for two days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that was his only reaction, or he had a few others. <laughs> That's all I remember him saying. Yeah, yeah. So, so tell yeah. me, what do you remember? <laughs> well, so uh, I mean, we probably step back a little bit. Uh, uh-huh. uh, we we started Root Society uh, really as an idea in two thousand three. Two thousand three. Uh, uh, 2003 uh skywalker and i uh uh daniel that's with us uh his ply name is skywalker uh my dj name is jeffer tail and so i just go by jeffer on the playa and um we we started uh i've started in 2003 uh uh, sky and i worked together i think by 2005 uh maybe even 2004 and um we have been going to the playa and building a nightclub in the desert. Uh, Burning Man is located about two hours outside of Reno, Nevada in a basically like in a salt flat, which is a, I I don't know how big it is, but it might be, uh, you know, three, 400 acres of, of flat uh, dust basically that hard packs turns into water for part of the year. It dries out kind of just in time for us to be out and it is a uh uh, art and music festival and uh it is uh it has a set of principles burning man and uh we won't maybe spend too much time defining burning man but uh inside burning man you actually have an opportunity to kind of build whatever you want and by buying a ticket to burning man which is now costs about five hundred dollars maybe it was about two hundred dollars back then uh, and uh, you could get a space, and uh, you could you could build what what you wanted. If you wanted to build a a, a, a caterpillar cocoon and you know have six people live in it for a week, you could do that. Our choice was to build a nightclub, and we started out with smaller nightclubs, and and uh, it's called a theme camp. And uh, by 2005, uh, 2006, it was called Root Society, which was the roots of our friendships. And uh, I, I think this call is uh, reflective of that because uh, it's actually by meeting people that I met Skywalker and uh, we became lifelong, uh, you know, kind of best, best friends and uh, partners in crime and building Root Society. And then, uh, Sasha, I met you through Will. I think that is correct. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about that story. But uh, here we are, I don't yeah, know, just you know 14, years, 14 years later. And, uh, you know, we're still friends and, and that's, I think, uh, really reflective of kind of the spirit of our camp and, and, you know, Root Society in general. So if, if I just spend one more minute, Root Society basically is a volunteer camp. Uh, you know, we started out with like 20 or 30 
Uh, it's uh, when we did it the last year in 2019, we had very close to 300 volunteers. And so we feed and house all those volunteers. <clears throat> and then we build a, uh, a, a, a structure uh, in the desert. We bring in a, you know, rock and roll size, you know, big club size sound system. And I'm talking, there's no decibel limits. And, uh, you know, we run, uh, you know, kind of super subs. Uh, I, I run uh, uh, Bass Boss. It used to be called Bass Max. And I think we ran uh, uh, quad 21s uh, uh, this past uh, uh, time when we were there in 2019. Uh, and so just, just an incredible sound system. And so th there's a part of camp which is about volunteering. There's a part of camp which is about building a nightclub. There's a part of camp which is about building a brand because you can go anywhere at Burning Man. And so getting Root Society so that it was a draw, uh, one of the things I realized early on, I was a DJ, is that I needed to attract other DJs. And uh, so that brings us to our story where I would reach out to who I thought were the hot DJs. Will Bailey was, I think, as Twalker uh, had a couple of hits. And there was a certain kind of like big bass sound that I that just liked. Yeah. I, I was I was all about it, and uh, I think uh, through Will uh, coming and playing, uh, and then uh, I, I there were a couple other guys, uh, Elite Force, uh, Jody Wisternoff. He was half of Way Out West, and he was just starting to kind of do his own thing. He's obviously gone on and done you know great stuff, especially recently. And then uh, uh, there was another guy, uh, Rich. Uh, I think Filthy Rich and, and Spectre were, were his two uh, handles. And uh, I think I met him through you. So uh, I, I, um, right. I built relationships built relationships with DJs and uh, with agents all over. And, you know, just about started Bass Nectar, uh, you know, right out of our camp. Uh, and, uh, I, I don't know, uh, you know, people, uh, DJs that you know, uh, if you look at like, um, uh, Wes, uh, uh, if you look at Skrillex, uh, uh you, you look at, uh, lots of, of DJs that are well known, wanted to play on the Root Society stage. Everybody and, to uh, <laughs> and it, it became kind of like a DJ vacation. And, uh, you know, we referenced that we don't pay our DJs. Um, we will. Nobody gets uh, paid at Burning Man, do they? Uh, no, uh, and in fact, our entire camp is a gift, uh, and so a big part of what Skywalker and I do is is do the fundraising and also you know self contribution uh, to basically bring that gift to the playa. Uh, we do, as you uh, called out, pick up the DJs in Reno. We put them up, we feed them, we take care of them, and through time, the DJs have come back year after year because of the joy. Uh, it's a bit of a DJ vacation for DJs that are on the grind, you know, traveling around the world to do something different. So that, that, that's your backdrop. Sorry to talk so much, but that's the beginning. <laughs> that's you can talk as much as you like, Jeff. And, you know, as you, as you start to talk about the player, all I can feel is the excitement rising above me as you talk, because uh, it is such a magical place. It is such a magical place. And I had absolutely no idea what 
what I was letting myself in for, um, what it was all about at all when I arrived. Um, uh, in it was um, a incredibly, incredibly um, refreshing change from the many uh, kind of events that I've gone to, which are and have become more and more just about the money. Um, and the more about the money is the less I seem to enjoy them. <laughs> um, and and so for for me, obviously, you know, everybody said, oh, there's no money in the desert. There's no money. That's the first thing that you hear about. Because um, I hadn't, I you know, apart from Will, apart from Will saying about it, I, you know, I'd, even though I was sending my DJs around the world and all of this kind of thing, I still hadn't heard about it. And so when the next year after Will played, you called me and said, would I like to bring four of my DJs to the desert? Um, and so it was that. And then I said, oh, you know, I looked at my DJs, looked at who would want to go, you know, all of this kind of thing. And my, you know, my four main DJs, Elite Force was already, had been going to the berm for a long time. Um, and Elite Force, I, I was looking after, I think, 40 DJs at that point. Um, so Filthy Rich and Will Bailey uh, were two of my closest DJs. So I, talk, I managed them. Um, I did their book it, um, I did their bookings and um and kind of the whole 360 for them. Whereas Elite Force, I hadn't been working with for so long. Uh, he had another manager. I used to deal with the manager quite a lot. So actually, even though I was looking after Elite Force, I actually got to know him in the desert, <laughs> which is a crazy thing. <laughs> a really, well, really, really crazy. Yeah, we should thing. just just pause on Simon for a second because I think he's a wonderful, uh, he's a wonderful DJ, uh, but he's a great person, uh, you know, good, good Burning Man soul. I've continued to stay in touch with him over the years and, you know, it's, it's a he's challenge. He's a big burner. Uh, no. Yeah, it's, it's a challenge. My, my, my phone doesn't stay on this, uh, on my steering <laughs> wheel. So, uh, it's a big challenge to keep, uh, to keep up with, you know, your love for the music. And, uh, you know, I, I just think Simon is uh, just representative of both uh, the quality of the uh, DJ that goes to Burning Man, but also just quality of DJs generally. He's a great guy. It was very much. And, um, and you know, like you said, you know, he, he was, he's a breaks artist. And uh, at the time that I started looking after him, breaks was kind of, slightly had its day well not had its day but you know it wasn't the and he was literally had 20 tracks over Beatport he was like one to 20 on the breaks chart but there was hardly any breaks gigs around um and so you know and that's and that's never easy and but it was it was Shaq that I first spoke to and said look you know I've been invited to the burn and you told me a little bit about it and I was like right okay yeah this sounds like fun <laughs> <laughs> um and and so I you know I did my normal DJ manager thing and invited Rich who was my top DJ and my closest DJ um and obviously Will was already you know yeah I'm up for coming um and then Jody was the other one and I think I asked probably a couple of others um but obviously not everybody's up for coming and not getting paid and these kind of things so it was always interesting to see who was up for it 
Um, I, I definitely remember when you guys came, right? Uh, my, my recollection is that you arrived as artists and you left as burners, right? <laughs> uh, uh, that, <laughs> That's uh, great. I love that. But there was a, there was a transformation and this notion that uh, being uh, arriving just with your talent wasn't enough to to succeed in the playa. Mm -hmm. And then really the whole team changed and became part much more part of uh, uh, the camp than just performers, right? Mm -hmm. And it was awesome. It, it was it awesome. That it, yeah, that is, I mean, you know, you've you got I, it in a, nut, a nutshell there. That is, is remember, really what happened to me. I remember being on the playa when you arrived in the Mac Daddy RV. Like, <laughs> I had never seen a vehicle like this before. It was. Right? And um, <laughs> I remember that uh, people got out of the RV with this gobsmacking look. Like, where did you bring us, Sasha? What is the story? This is not going to be a good experience. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly exactly what it was i um i flew into vegas with filthy rich um and will was already in la um so he he flew over to vegas to meet us um we got off we got off we went straight to the trailer park the uh, rv park and um and they said yeah the keys are there it's over there and I was like, right, okay, trundled off. And then I come up to this 40-foot black RV. I was like, right, it was a 10-sleeper. And I was like, okay, this is a beast. <laughs> and me and Rich were just looking at it going, wow, this is big, isn't it? <laughs> so then we've hopped in, and I did most of the driving. I did most of the driving. It was a... Uh, me, Rich, and uh, Will, and both their two girlfriends. Um, and, and yeah, I did most of the driving up there. They were asleep in the back. Um, and we arrived to the desert at night time. That's right. And, yeah, and the, the queue wasn't too bad. So we did get in quite quickly. And as we're coming through, I'm like, all I can see is the lights. I'm like, yeah, this looks like my kind of... <laughs> <laughs> all the pretty lights is all I could see in front and you know and I was like I get more and more excited and everybody's getting dressed up and we're putting a fancy dress on and we're putting on makeup on I was like yeah it's really exciting this is all good and then you get to the door and it's the whole uh have you been before oh we've lost Jeff <laughs> I'm, I'm you, here you're still there I'm here yeah. um so it's like, yeah, have you been before? And, you know, you get there. And I'd already been warned that if you say you're a virgin, then you've got to get out, do your whole earth angel thing, or the boys have got to go and ring the bell, you know, half naked, all of this. And I'm like, I've already been told. So as they said, have you been before? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I've been before. <laughs> it's, it's, I drive in. So we drive in. And like you said, you know, I found my way through around the little roads, you know, the through the camp and I'm like oh my god this is amazing because it's dark you can't really see anything but lights as you know and just all of these just mad things and I'm like oh, wow what is going on here and I remember getting out of the RV and you and Jeff being there 
And uh, all I can describe it as is the feeling that I first had when I stepped into my very first ever rave. Um, when everything is new, when the world is wonderful, <laughs> um, and everybody just wants to play, and everybody's having a lovely time. Um, and yeah, I, I I remember arriving and you welcome us and, and me feeling just like that, but all, still being in my, I was very stressed before I left the country, let's put it like that. Um, my first my first podcast is all about where I was at before I actually left the UK. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot going on in my life, a lot going on in my life. Um, it, I was breaking up with my boyfriend. Um, the business was four years old. Um, my accountant had told me I was a busy fool and there was loads of money going through the business, but I wasn't making any. Um, and that I had also just helped my mum into rehab and paid for her with a long-standing alcohol addiction and she had been brave and strong enough to uh, want the help and I had just put her into rehab and she'd just come out so that was three weeks before I left um, all of that was going on in my life so I was very stressed I was trying to make everything work um, uh, but I didn't have much money and I was scraping and scrimping to get to the desert myself um, I'd managed to get the DJs the gigs so that they could uh, be out there and their flights were paid for. Um, and and so, yeah, I was scraping around, but I was very, very excited about coming. So when I arrived, I was actually having have been feeling very stressed before I left. And as I walked into the desert and as I opened those doors, that feeling of release mm. was something that I hadn't felt for a very, 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 very long time at that point. Um, and, and I know that was the point that it kind of, it started for me as in the fact of, I now know that if I hadn't had that release when I did, and if I hadn't started upon that journey, I, I really don't think I would be where I am now in any way. Um, because to be released from the pressure, let's put it like that, be released from the pressure which was basically what happened as I opened that door and walked onto the player for the first time. All, all the weight of the world felt like it was on my shoulders before I, before I drove in. And as I started to walk out and have that feeling of release, of pressure, everything paled. All of the problems in the world, everything that had been going on in the nightmares, everything, everything was just suddenly gone. And I was in the player and in on in the moment and in the now. And that feeling of excitement and that feeling of like, oh my, you know, just being released of that was was incredibly huge for me. And the first but one of the first things that happened was I looked at my phone and I was like, oh, I've got I've got reception, getting all excited. Like, oh, I've got reception. And then it flashed up. You can only contact people on the player. And I was like, Oh, oh, right. And, you know, now I'm so glad that I was not able to contact anybody and I was out off grid, not able to communicate with anybody because I've been so working so hard. I'd started the business up four years before that on my own. I've been working so hard and so hard and so hard. I didn't know how to stop working hard. 
And as you said, I did arrive in that mentality of I'm bringing the DJs to the desert. I'm going to get them to their gigs. We'll have a nice time, normal thing. And then we'll come home. You know, that was, that was where I was. But that changed so, as soon as yeah. I arrived. So I have, I have some, some reasonable memories of this. But my overall memory was uh, Skywalker saying, like, who is this Sasha person? Uh, like that, that was the beginning. Uh, I don't think you were fully into burner mode yet. You were still trying to like organize your DJs and, and, uh, you know, be a agent. And it was like, okay, we're on playa time now. And you're like, what is playa time? That doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> and, and take me and show me these places where my guys are going to play. And it's like, okay, well, you know, there's, there's no bikes right now. And you were like, what do you mean? No bikes. And I remember looking at Sky, and I was like, "Sasha is a gift for us." You, you're you're remembering that, right? And uh, I, I honestly think that the transition for you from like, okay, this is a dusty, uh, crazy place where I've got to do my job, to this is a place that I can call home. I, I think that transition actually happened over that entire burn. I'm not sure that, that the way I remember it is that, you know, from, from the first moment. And, you know, so. I, the the yeah. feeling I had from the first moment, but I still had that head on as well. So I was having this feeling of being at my first rave and everything being amazing. And But I also had that part of my head going, oh, you still right. got your job to do all the time. You still, and, and it was, you're 100% right. It was a, a process that happened over the week. Right. I, I actually think, like, um, well, today, most people, uh, we hear the use of the word transformation, right? And I usually think that people use it in a way that is um, idiotic. They don't know what they're talking about. Uh, a real transformation is you started as something and you ended as something else, right? And I think Burning Man is actually transformational, Right. Uh, you start in one place as a person, and then uh, uh, no matter what your length of time at the event is, you emerge uh, somebody different. Uh, and it's a positive transformation, right? I totally yeah. remember you arriving. Um, I remember, I actually uh, remember that this extraordinary piece of machinery that you arrived in had problems throughout the burn. Exactly that, that. The generator failed, that, that we ran out of gas, that all the amenities that we were excited about at the beginning stopped functioning. And <laughs> that was a, a catalyst. I remember, like, I remember Simon helping me. He realized, like, we need to work together. And mm -hmm. I think Jeff and I would pride ourselves discreetly that there are almost no problems on the desert, uh, on the playa that we can't solve, right? Thank God yeah. I had you, because if I arrived yeah. on that play and not on Root Society, God knows what would have happened to me. And I um, remember, I remember Simon. Uh, uh, the generator had failed, and we had to take it apart and clean the air filters. And uh, there was Simon uh, helping me do that. Man, <laughs> it was just great. Right? Oh, you know, uh, yeah, exactly that. And and you know, it wasn't obviously just me on that journey. Um, uh, I had Filthy Rich who who had started on my DJ journey with me. So when I when I was working for Serious um, Artist Management, which is Judge Jules's agency, 
Um, Rich was my DJ there. I brought him into there. And it was him that I took when I started the new agency. So I, we've kind of been in it with him since the start. So for the four years, he was like, he was my main DJ. Then Will came along and, and then lots of others. But obviously Rich was on his first Burning Man journey as well. Um, and Will obviously hadn't experienced Burning Man the last time in any proper way or form. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, he'd, he'd flown in like an artist and, fl- you know, panicked and sat there not knowing what the fuck to do <laughs> and flown out again. I think that's basically what happened. So so I know Will's journey and I saw that happen to, to the both of them, both of them. So, you know, um, within within a day, you know, they were starting to put the tutu on for Tutu Tuesday and, you know, it, they were starting to really come out of themselves. Um, and everybody was really, really starting to relax into being that, you know, having fun. And being being present. You're not connected to your point. You're just, you're there. And, uh, you know, together you're confronting what comes at you uh, every day. Yeah. And, you, you know, know, one of the things that I would say is, I'm pretty regularly here now. Oh, Burning Man isn't like it used to be. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've, I I was there uh, not at the beginning, but starting in 2003, where it was maybe 18,000 people and it's 80,000 people now. And I, I think that the thing I would reflect on is the experience that you, you had is, is an experience that could be as fresh for somebody as the next Burning Man, that, this idea of a transformation. And I, I think sometimes it feels like a cartoon of itself, you know, where you say, oh, I go to Burning Man and go transform myself. But the thing is, there's no power. There's no running water. Uh, there's no resource other than the resource that you bring in with you or that is gifted to you on the playa. And there's no commerce. There's no, there's no, uh, there's no place to have your, your money. Your credit card is completely useless in the desert. And, and so all of those things, if you just start there, you know, no power, no running water, no credit card, no phone, uh, you know, and, and there actually is phone now sometimes, but as the week gets busier, the phone becomes useless, right? Mm-hmm. And so you really are off grid with no support other than the love of the people around you. And uh, if you thrive in that environment, I think it actually bridges over into uh, the de- what we call the default world, like what you do the other 51 weeks of the year. And so, you know, I think the, the for people listening, you know, uh, Sasha, you're talking about your story uh, and it's quite personal, right? And it's, it's easy to make it personal. And the thing I would say for anybody that makes that trek, that they're sacrificed to, to get to Burning Man because it costs money and it's not easy to get to, especially from the UK. But there's a um, there's an opportunity to do Sky, as you said, is to come in as one person and and leave as another. And I think that's priceless. I think that's the that's the kind of summation of what I'm sharing here. It really is priceless. There's nowhere like it in the world. Um, and like like you say, home. You know, it, you you become part of a family very quickly, and that family becomes everything. Um, and the principles that that you live by within that community are fundamentally healthy, um, loving, caring, and supportive. And that 
is my, my biggest take from Burning Man was always the fact that I wish I wish the world was like that. Really, <laughs> in fact, you know, right. and I, that I know that people can be, can, you know, community can be that good, and that it is transformational when, when you know, we all go on our ups and downs in that journey. Like you said, you know, whether it be the uh, the, the the RV generator dying or or little tiffs and spats and things that happen within within that journey because that's life but it right. is but it is like a it's like a um a a week where everything is um compacted um and everybody's living in very very close um and so everything happens um and it's how you get through it and how you survive it and how you're enjoying that yeah. part of the journey rather than thinking yeah, everything's it's, got to be bells and whistles and 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 i think one of the things that's so um exciting about it is that uh, you go through the experience the first time and what it validates is probably what you already knew about yourself anyway mm -hmm. it validates that things are possible for you right mm -hmm. and then you have to ask yourself the question, why do you keep going back? And you keep going back for this reason that you just pointed out. It's it's this uh, reinforcement of the power of community. And the default world wants to beat you into submission. Mm -hmm. And when you go back, you're reminded, right, of what you are capable of. And you are uh, uh, reassuring yourself that being on a different journey is the right thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you know, there's there's um, the principles, uh, I think, might come into play here right now, because we're kind of talking about community and we're talking about love and, and family. Uh, but there's a set of principles that actually underlie that, you know, they're they're the the values and how the values play out in the playa. And I, I think it's um, I think it's a little heady. But, you know, let's start with one that I think people will relate to, which is called Leave No Trace. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Sasha, we're used to nightclubs and, and we're used to festivals where the beer cups uh, and the uh, plastic water bottles are, are three, four inches deep, you know, in, in all of the common areas. And Burning Man, with its Leave No Trace principle, is... You know, if you smoke, you have a little metal canister in your pocket and you get done with, with your cigarette and you're at literally putting your butt in this, not, not your butt, let me, let, let, let you put <laughs> uh, in, 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 in this canister. And, and what, what is, um, what is cool about that is that even as the uh, playa has grown, that that principle, I, it's not perfect, right? You know, you'll still find a few things, uh, but most people realize that you're responsible for yourself and you're responsible for your waste. And that's not like that in the default world. I regularly see somebody just drop whatever they're holding in their hand on the street. And, and it's like, uh, you know, that, that, that urge to walk up to somebody and point at the ground. Like I, I have that urge, you know, mm -hmm. like, uh, don't don't disrespect our space that way, right? And so yeah, that, yeah. Uh, uh, an, another principle is um, is kind of uh, radical self-expression. And uh, so 
this is this is in the default world we struggle so much with trying to be inclusive but uh, it's almost the the opposite in the desert where it's like go be who you want to be so like if you want to take all your clothes off and you know let your dong hang in the wind then that's not my way by the way uh, <laughs> but but just go ahead and do that right and if you want to turn into a butterfly on stilts and work for six months on your costume and basically go fly around the desert for a week, you go and do that. The way I was introduced to Burning Man is my lighting guy at a nightclub that I worked in uh, came back and was talking about this thing. And I'm like, what is this thing you're talking about? And it was Burning Man. And he said, this is what I do. I buy a, a, a half a gallon of blue paint I fly to Reno um, and I take a plastic bag and I uh, take a bus to just outside of the walls of Burning Man, the gates. I go into the desert. I take off all my clothes and I put them in a plastic bag and I paint myself blue from top to bottom. And I have a little thing of touch-up paint and I walk into Burning Man with my little thing of touch-up paint and 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 my all all in my blue glory and that's the way he spent his entire week that so makes him happy if, if you think about that it's like <laughs> being a blue man for a week uh and dipping yourself in blue paint and then going in trusting you have no water you have no food you have no place to stay you have no plan you have no friends, or maybe you have some friends we meet up with, but when the blue <laughs> man shows up, he, he, he may or may not be my friend. It's really, you know, <laughs> uh, but, but he spent six days in the desert and then came out, uh, went into the plastic bag, got his, his wipes, wiped off his body, got himself dressed, got back on the bus, and went back to Reno and flew home, right? Wow. And so, so that is... That is the guy that told me that I should go to the desert. Wow. You got and told so, to go to the desert by a little blue man. By a little blue man. That's right. And, and in, a, said, in a spacecraft. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and, but he said, you should go build a nightclub, right? Like, like I know that's what would, would make you happy. And that's what I did. And, uh, you know, the, the story, uh, you know, the first – the first club we built in the desert was a wedding tent and with yellow and white stripes. And, uh, I, I hauled the tent and the poles and everything and, and a big sound system out from Boston and set it up in the middle of the night. And in the middle of the night, this, this, uh, like Spanish warship pulls up <laughs> like with about a hundred people on it. And, uh, with the sails and everything, I was like, Oh my God. And right behind it was a Volkswagen with a giant penis sticking out of it. And I was like, this is the only place in the world where you're going to have a Spanish warship and a, and a Volkswagen with a penis sticking out of it, basically connected to one another, cruising around in the playa. And the sun rose and people started saying, you bought a, you brought a wedding tent to the playa. And I was like, yeah. Uh, that's that's what I'm gonna do, and they're like, you can't bring a wedding tent to the playa, and uh, and I was like, 
oh, well, nobody, nobody told me. And, and so they basically said that that's like an embarrassment that, you know, that that's not creative. It's not creative at all. At, at, at all. And uh, that any, anybody could do that. And I was like, okay, well, uh, but we, we had uh, dressed up the tent and uh, I, I don't know. Uh, so, so two other quick stories on this. So I had like, like uh, 22 soccer mom chairs, uh, you know, basically like chairs in a bag. And so I set up my wedding tent with my chairs in a bag all around the outside of the wedding tent. And so um, we, we had a good sound system. I was the only DJ and we had a great party on like Wednesday night. And then, really nobody came the rest of the week. Uh, <laughs> and what I realized is that we were just the only one that was set up on Wednesday night. So everyone came, but people went to the much bigger clubs that we became later on. Uh, but this couple came up to me and they're like, we're, we're pissed at you. And, and I was like, why are you mad? And they said, like, come over here. Here's this couple, like basically trying to have a little cuddle puddle in one of these soccer mom chairs. And they're like, it is the most fucking uncomfortable thing that you can imagine. There, there is just nothing right about this look. Like, it's not comfortable. There's no way to get into a comfortable position. It's a disgrace that you brought these. And uh, so they basically said, you should never come back again. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> and so... So they said, the only way you should come back is you need to actually figure out a better system. Well, you so did that. <laughs> I, I remembered that conversation. And during the winter, I drew these like clamshell beds that uh, were low and would hold two couples. Uh, great, like foam base and, and like, a, like a rubber cover. <laughs> Just uh, uh, keep things clean. And, uh, and then pillows in the back. And those ended up being our chill beds that we have today. And yeah. that's one of the most popular places to go on the playa is to go into one of our big domes that has about 20 of, uh, of these chill beds. And, yeah. uh, and it's, also, it's also the way I've met thousands <clears throat> of burners just because they all know that they're going to come in and have a sleep uh, uh, in, our, in our big chill dome. So, I know it well. So, was... those, are some, those are some crazy stories, so. I know it well, and that was in, in 2010. So the stages you had in 2010, um, you had the Tower of Babel. That's right. Which was oh, yeah. epic. Incredible. <laughs> I remember, uh, that year, I remember being like, we were crazy about the grommets. It was like getting grommets into the screens to put them up on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> what are grommets what are, what are grommets grommets well, are they're a little metal uh, a, a washer a circle oh and, yeah i know uh, those, you, right you, yeah so fabric had to have grommets and some of uh, them would piece from the fabric <laughs> you so you had the tower of babel the the dome uh i think you had two domes and the kitchen yeah there. two domes yeah yep that's right, isn't it? So, two yeah, so, tower. So, so for some people listening, the Tower of Babel uh, was a um, like a iteration of and, and a evolution of 
speaker box, which was a, uh, a scaffolding structure uh, that was layers deep. That was something that I, uh, I absolutely loved, which I think uh, actually started in Europe somewhere. Yeah. And uh, it, so this was a scaffolding structure that was maybe uh, 80 feet wide, uh, 30, 36 feet high and, and three layers deep of, of scrims uh, which is these grommets were these rings that went around each one of the scrims that were stretched on the scaffolding. And then we had two 20K projectors that basically were mapped and onto these scrims. And it not only hit the first layer, but it hit the second and the third layer of the scrims because the scrims have, are probably like 80% uh, you know, coverage. Right. And so you got this absolutely beautiful image that uh that from the front and then we buried our sound system inside the stage and then we also put the dj right in a box in the middle of this setup and uh i i think to this day it may be one of the you know most popular uh root societies was uh it was called the tower of babel yeah it, it was, that was really cool so Elise and, and, played up there, Jody Wiskinoff played up there and Will Bailey played up there. And um and so I had two things that happened to me on the Tower of Babel. Um so the first one was when uh Jody Wiskinoff was playing. Um and I was up there with Will Bailey and and it, you know it was it is an absolutely epic stage and seeing the whole of the landscape of Burning Man and you know Black Rock City and and everything from that tower and everybody dancing in front of you being in that DJ box was something very, very, very special. Um, and uh, yeah, um, Jodie Wisnoff was playing and I turned around and looked at Will Bailey and he was crying. And I was like, Will, what's wrong? He's like, it's so emotional, Sasha. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I know, I know. And he's like, oh, Jodie's so good. I was like, I know, Jodie's amazing. <laughs> so that was really, yeah. it was a really, really sweet moment. It was like, oh, come here, Will, it's all right, you know. Um, and then the so second, the second, um, the second um, uh, little story of on the Tower of Babel was, it was, I think it was the second to last night before the man burned, um, an elite force was playing up there. Um, and he had this amazing, epic white fur coat on and blue glittery flares. And he was literally like, the force is with him. It was like, oh my God, he was amazing. And I was up there um, and I made a wish. And I made this constant wish. I was like, I was swaying a little bit and, uh, you know, I'd had a little bit of a live now and I was uh, I was feeling good. Um, and I made a wish and I made a wish that I could come back to the player with somebody that I with a real actual playmate that I could share the desert with. Because, as you said, like, I went to the desert on my own. The other guys had the girlfriends and their wives and. But really, even though I had the boys with me and the, the DJs with me, I was on my own journey, on my own. And that was what really very much happened to me over the week was the fact that the boys went and did their gigs and they had their girlfriends there and they were jumping around the desert and doing their thing and we were and we were doing our things together. But I was very much on my own journey and meeting all of these amazing people and just going off on my own and dancing around the desert where nobody, <laughs> nobody I knew knew me 
and I could, like you said, do that radical self-expression and let myself free. And I met so many amazing people while hopping and dancing around the player. Um, and and I made I made that that wish that I could come back to the desert with somebody that I could could actually spend the week truly playing with and having a fun time. So that even though it was the most amazing place. I to have somebody that I could share that with was the wish that I made on the, that Tower of Babel, um, and that yeah. was that was the night before the night before the man burned, and um, and then I had a yeah I, I got caught in a dust storm the next day, so quite like an epic day the next day, and it's like I got caught in a dust storm before, <laughs> so I had a little parasol that I'd found. Um, and I'd gone marching off and doing my thing, and then I got caught in a dust storm. And I wasn't scared by this point because by this point I'm like, yeah, I'm a burner. I've got it all under control. And and um, I got caught in this dust storm, and I just went under my parasol and just was on the floor like this. And then I got back to the uh, RV, and all the boys were inside and everything. And I've just walked in, like come through the door like this, and I'm like covered in dust. And the, and the parasol is like completely whipped and shredded and everything. And I was like, I'm back. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, uh... Can I uh, share another quick story? So I was tracking, I was tracking DJs uh, at that time. And one of the DJs that I really was liking was Paul Cockbrenner. And, uh, and so uh, I reached out uh, mm-hmm. through his agent uh, and Paul Cockbrenner said that, yeah, he'd like to come to the desert. And that was right when he was starting to get big. He wasn't, <clears throat> he was probably just getting big, but he wasn't as big as he got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Amazing. what's that song called? Like Sun and Sand. Sun, or, sea, uh, sun sea and Sand, is it? Or Oh man, something. like that song is that song sand. is so good. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, it is an amazing so he, song. So, so he so he comes with his girlfriend and some other handler, I don't know. And uh he came to the desert and he's like, Okay, where do I go? And I was like, Okay, we have a TP set up for you. You know, we have we have twenty six teepees. And uh so he's like a teepee. It's like, I, I, you know, where's the, like the VIP area? It's like, okay, you have a VIP teepee. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, okay. And so he goes in and it's hot and he's like, where's the air conditioning? And, uh, and next thing you know, he's just basically sitting in his teepee and he's not happy. And he's like, I, you know, whatever. And so he's like, when is it set? And he's like, okay, can we hurry? And, and he did his set. And then he made me take him back to the airport. Really? So, uh, you know, really interesting thing. Like, I love his music. And uh, I, I, I actually, I, he was a nice guy. He just did not like the desert at all. Uh, and so I had a very different experience than almost all the other DJs. Uh, you know, if I look at another one, uh, Nora Empire came in, in 2019 and played. And she'd never been in the desert. And she came with her husband and stayed in one of our, our VIP tents. She absolutely. Nope. I can't hear you now. Can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you now. I lost you there. Oh, Jeff. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> There's a glitch in the a glitch in the matrix. 
she uh, 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 Nora and Pure came out and to finish Jeff's story, and they were like, uh, also, you know, just like your experience, their first time, and they're exciting, and then uh, words and pictures don't don't give you what you need to be prepared for to walk out onto the playa, no, and then no. the magic just kicks off. And that and that is what everybody says is no, nothing. Yeah. Nothing can prepare you. Nothing really can prepare you for the burn. Yeah. You know, any as you said, you can look at it on YouTube. You can you can do all of that thing, but nothing actually prepares you for the actual experience and that journey that you go on. And yeah, you right. know, like you said about Paul Coltbrenner and you know, nor different DJs will react know, differently. Yeah, and and sometimes you know, and like like I said, you know, Will Bailey first year was like, oh my god, what's going on? But the next year, he got massively into it, and you know, and and let himself you know run free. And I think it's really important for, especially anybody that is in the public eye and works in the public eye and has that public persona. Um, uh, it's you know, unfortunately, it can be such an ego driven world. Um, and oh it, yeah. And it's not healthy for anybody. Um, and it's something that I've always struggled with in the dance music industry and still struggle to with, with it to this day as to as to how, you know, we are all equal as far as I'm concerned. And that's where the rave scene came from. Peace, love, unity and respect. Um, it doesn't right. it doesn't matter who you know what titles you've got and all of this kind of thing um, i thought that was uh eat sleep rave repeat like what what what's what that one that definition you have <laughs> well, i mean it's um yeah and it's the it's it can become I've seen so many DJs fallen foul of it. So, you know, they've started off yeah. as really all about the music, all about this kind of thing. And then more and more kind of love, fame, celebrity influence, like, yeah. you know, this kind of thing that gets involved, the more they lose touch with themselves. And that, and if, you know, the player is one of those places where, you know, if you can, you you can go and release that, that whole persona and you can be yourself and you don't, it doesn't matter, you know, you know uh, what's interesting, Sasha? Yeah. Uh, is that uh, you look at, at DJ like Bass Nectar, who started out with just a very small following, and over the course of years at Burning Man, basically built a massive following. And his brand went into the default world and was really born on the playa. Other people like Carl Cox have come back to the desert, uh, you know, came to the desert initially and have continued to come back. And uh, I think the reasoning is really uh, that there's a uh, there's a connection with uh, the burners. There's a music style that's always evolving and mm. is very, very, very uh, prevalent, present on the desert floor. And uh, because uh, there's no control on the decibel levels, you can really like express, for example, just the bass is so good. And even even you get multiple clubs together playing, and it, there's that sound wall where where your music comes through way out on the playa, but also how all of the bass converges into this sound that it is the sexiest, most alluring thing to to basically enjoy. Uh, and it does. It you moves your soul. It, you, you you can't get it out of your mind, even mm -hmm. when you're back uh, in the default world. 
the sound that is in your chest from uh, you know being a Burning Man. The other thing is, if you look at DJs like Diplo and Skrillex, uh, they they would regularly go to the desert, uh, and I think it was just to make a connection with their fans in a genuine way. And so, you know, I, one of the things I struggled with over time is that a lot of times I would try to program a lot of local, smaller DJs, but you would always, in the same way that you have default world brands of, you know, big places like Pasha and, and Ibiza or, you know, whatever, that, that you have brands in the desert too. And so Root Society would, would host Bass Nectar uh, to huge crowds or, you know, Skrillex or Diplo. But then I would always try to find these DJs. Uh, you know, I, 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 I found a, a DJ duo called Goldfish uh, in 2019 that played live sax and, and live bass uh, while they played. And I think they, I think they ruled 2019. It, they it ruled. was so good. And, and then uh, you, but you've you look always, at... But you've always been able to do that, bring in, bring in the... Um... Uh, the aspiring artist, right, who's who's trying to find uh, a, 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 a path to kind of uh, be born right. into the artistic world. Well, there's a DJ named Dan Deacon. I think he uh, epitomizes what I believe is uh, just a wonderful DJ. Uh, do you know who he is, Sasha? No, I don't uh, know. Uh, he, he is a guy that basically is interactive with the crowd. And right. invents invents his sounds, and uh, he does a lot of his own original music. And but then he gets the crowd to go in figure eights, and all go to the left, and all go to the right, which uh, is right, now right. like a big trend in the big festivals. But he's been doing that for years, right. and so that kind of interaction is good. And then you get somebody like Nora and Pure that said, "Look, I want to play a sunrise set at Burning Man," and that's that was for her soul to fill her up. Uh, but also then the marketing opportunity on the other side of that to be at Burning Man, you know, doing a big sunrise set. And, you know, probably 10,000 people came to that set. Uh, and, I bet that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So so you get um, a, a mix of DJs, famous. Uh, Joachim Girard is a, is a very good example. Uh, really early producer for Dave Guetta and, uh, you know, some of the other guys. And uh he, in his own right, has had a wonderful DJ career and uh, has been active and a friend. And but he's probably come six, seven, eight times. You know, mm -hmm. so uh, you know, Jeff, there's other. When, yeah. when I think about some of these DJs who came, like I actually think it was in 2010 that we have our really the first mega audience, right? Yeah, right. right. So that, I that year. That. We're... I was there. That, yeah. that year, that year, uh, we drew so much attention. I remember that uh, we had. That was the first time we had built outside of uh, ten or ten and two. Yeah. Right? So it was the first time we had both uh, been given permission to have something in the city on the corner, and then we were outside of the street system in the playa. And I remember in two thousand ten, the the corner clogged. Right there yeah. was. A, there was a thoroughfare issue, right. and like we had all of law enforcement at Burning Man was concerned about the size of the crowd there, and I think that was the first time at uh, for us anyway, and maybe even for Burning Man that they had dealt with some kind of uh, uh, kind of crowd of that size. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. fifteen thousand people, give or take, 
uh, at our main stage. Wow. Uh, and so to have a volunteer stage at a, at a, a volunteer festival with 15,000 people all in one place, you know, so that's one out of four at that point, I think one out of four, one out of every five people uh, was, uh, was at our stage. That was oh, at Burning Man in total. It's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing camp. And, you know, lots of people talk about it. And, you know, one of the things with the camp is it's very well organized down to you guys. <laughs> um, but that is, you know, it works like a military procedure in the fact that everybody's working together. Everybody knows what they're doing and and, and everybody's uh, making sure everything's working and it's all hands on deck. And, and, you know, that that is what you know, that's what the camp was all about. And that's what I loved about it, you know, and especially that in my first year when I didn't know what the hell was going on that, you know, when I, if I, when I ran out of water, there was water. And, and, and even, you know, the, the one shower was, you know, I had a shower every day and was most, most happy. And like, you know, everybody's like, yeah, it's cold. I was like, I don't care. It's cold. It's lovely. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. when you're on the, on the on player having, you know, we, we, uh, like you said, we had a shower in the um, RV. I think by the second day that had totally gone. We'd run out of water. That wasn't working, <laughs> you know, all of that. And so, you know, having the kitchen, having the water tap, having the shower, these are, you know, your fundamental things in the desert that, you know, you suddenly realise that, you know, if I'd turned up in the desert without these things and I wasn't on the Root Society camp, then I was like, I would have been out there begging on the street. <laughs> I, I think I think what you're saying is you felt safe. 100%. Right? And that is, uh, that is a critical factor, like, in life. That's a Maslow factor, right? You know, you, you got food and water, you feel safe. And, uh, you know, so... Um, <clears throat> I'm going to have to go in a minute. Uh, uh, one of the things, Sky, I thought uh, you and Sasha should talk about the next chapter uh, in, in you coming back. Uh, and I, I think that the two of you were much more active in that. So I, I think uh, I, I'll leave you with, with that thought. But I think, uh, Sasha, I, 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 my Thank sense Thank you so is, much, Jeff. It's lovely yeah, to I see think, you. I think you... Um, you really are a great example of the reason why we do Root Society, right? We, we produce a camp. You know, we produce a gift that 10,000 people take advantage of. But at the end of the day, it's the individuals in camp uh, that we introduce to this experience that then end up loving it and it changes their lives. That that's the thing. Uh, like at the end, the club goes up, the club goes down. There's a bunch of cool pictures. Uh, and and that's it. But it's the friendships, the roots of our friendships, that is the the thing that defines our lives. And Sky and I are are uh, you know brothers from another mother. Like we we love each other. We actually say we love each other. And you know we're both heterosexual. Uh, you know uh, thriving guys that actually have a deep bond with one another that really started. Uh, from hard work in the desert. And, uh, you know, so it's the, that those friendships definitely bridge over to our friendship with you. And, and I'll leave you with the fact that I know we will see each other again on the playa. And, uh, uh thank so you I hope. And uh, thank you so much, Jeff. And I will be eternally grateful to you for introducing me to Burning Man, getting me to Burning Man <laughs> and starting me on that journey. And yeah, thank yeah. you. 
thank you very much. And I, yeah, I can't wait to be played dancing around on the desert again with you. Cheers. <laughs> no. Good to see you, Sasha. Lovely, <laughs> lovely, lovely to see you. Thanks, Jeff. Love you. And he's gone. Um, um, so, yeah, Skywalker, do you want to... Um, the, the only bit I really want to finish with is the end, because I would quite like to come back to the both of you at some point and to you when I'm further on in the podcast for when I get to 2014. Because sure. what, what I'm basically kind of doing with this is progressing my healing journey and taking people on what's worked for me, what hasn't, um, and, and that journey and, and, and kind of uh, progressing it through this first season. Mm. Um, and that's why I've kind of I've started with 2010 as to you know how difficult things were for me before before I arrived. Yeah, I I, I think that you know, like I said before, uh, what happened in our friendship and um, uh, as a consequence of you coming to Burning Man was you came as a rock star. Everybody came as kind of talent with this notion of being you know in this certain category. And then when I, I remember quite, it happens to me all the time, you know, uh, people um, evaluate uh, based on something. And uh, then when you're done, you're, you have a totally different perspective. Mm. And, and people, people were, were reminded of their humanity. When you can't go to bed in the place that you're supposed to go to bed, or if you can't go to the bathroom in the place that you expected to go to the bathroom, how you resolve those problems makes you human, mm. right? And uh, listen, I know tons of people in the default world who are like completely caught up in being um, important. That's mm -hmm. what they want. They want to be important. They want to be seen as important. They want to, and they miss, they're just lost. Uh, even Jeff talked a little bit about how Burning Man has changed. You get a lot of sparkle ponies out there, right? Mm -hmm. I, I know plenty of people who now, like they have tattoos of Burning Man on them and they've gone out and they describe it as the most important thing in their world and they haven't learned a damn fucking thing. Yeah, yeah. It's revolting. But mm -hmm. it's like, that doesn't stop my passion for the event. It's still, if you get people to come, and they find a way to be human while they're there. Mm -hmm. uh, they leave uh, with this sense of a, a different set of priorities in life. Yeah, that, and that's it. I mean, you know, I know when I spoke to uh, Shaq, Elite Force, about it, and he, I think he's been about ten times. Um, and he said every journey, every year, is different, mm -hmm. um, and every time it teaches them different things. And and I think you know that's very much I I have I've spoken to other people that are, you know and other DJs that have gone to the desert, um and they've gone oh yeah yeah it was great blah 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 and you know that it hasn't really touched them in that same way but then they've gone again a couple of years later and they've had a whole spiritual journey and it's right. been a whole different thing, um and and so yeah I'm I I was. I was told that it would be life changing beforehand, and you, when people tell you that, you're like, "Yeah, right," <laughs> you know that kind of thing. But I, I, it was, it was truly, it was, it was an epic, epic journey for me. And you know, I don't, 
I don't know if you remember what happened the last day um, um, and how what had been the most amazing week of my life and that I didn't want to go home, no. <laughs> um, but I didn't want to go home early either. <laughs> um, and and it was, I'd gone, I'd been on my own journey so much that the, what happened was the, um, the man was burning. Everybody was going off to see the man burn on the Saturday night. Um, and, and um, a few people said, oh, are you going to come and see the man burn? And I was like, do you know what? Everybody's kind of got their things and they're doing their things. And I just felt like having a bit of time on my own. Yeah. And, you know, when you've been, everything's been hectic all week and it been up and down. I've been trying to sort the DJs out. And you you were Skywalker. You were, you were thank God. And I thank you eternally also for for this that hold on let me turn my whatsapp off somebody trying to talk to me no don't talk to me now let me turn off my whatsapp um i every time the djs were becoming more than i could cope with let's put it like that <laughs> um and there were things that you know uh, as as ridiculous as the toilet was overflowing and one of the DJs is like, Sasha, Sasha, the toilet's overflowing. And, I'm like, and what do you want me to do? <laughs> um, but you were my helping hand there. And I'd be like, ah, Sky will come. Wow, what am I going to do? And and each time you weren't just like, oh, I'm going to do it all for you, but you, you took me through and you helped me manage those boys as well and, and, and do all of that kind of thing. But so, so there'd been lots of stuff going on, and I, you know, and I'd, uh, I'd got, I'd got a bit upset with various little things that matter on the player that wouldn't matter other in other places, like shutting the door so all the dust doesn't come in. Right, right, exactly. Not wasting water, you know, these kind of things that are, are suddenly become so valuable and important in the desert that might wouldn't be important elsewhere anyway the long and short of it was I was like no you go off to the burn I'm just gonna have a bit of time now as you know I had this big fuck off RV <laughs> and over the week that had got racked and ruined <laughs> there was makeup all over it there was shit everywhere it was just an absolute bombsite and I was like in a in twenty four hours, we've got to drive this back to Vegas, <laughs> and I know that it was my deposit that was on the line, and and so yeah. I was like, so I was like, you lot go off, I'll stay here, and so everybody went off and having you know and seeing the big burn and everything going on, and I stayed in the RV and cleaned, awesome, and, and I spent hours. <laughs> and hours cleaning and I was more than happy more than happy <laughs> I was like I was on my own I was like I could hear the, you know everything every the vibe was so good everything was great so I made the RV all nice and I was scrubbing and I put all the glow sticks up and I put all the fairy lights up and everything was really pretty and nice and I was really happy and I was like excellent and then I think everybody came back, but I must have been really tired. And I called into my little cubby hole that I was in the middle and went to sleep. 
Anyway, about four hours later, I've woken up, opened my little cubby hole, looked out, and it's detonated. There's dust everywhere. There's shit everywhere. Everything. They've come back from the burn. Everything's been lying everywhere. There's drinks everywhere. There's just like, I was like, ah, no, I can't believe it. So anyway, I was just like, oh, and I've just woken up and I'm just like, oh, 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 like this. And they went, we want to go home. And I was like, we're not going home till later. We've got to help take the camp down. We're going to do the whole thing. And there's, you know, we've been have a little bit of an after party later. And this is all going on. We're not going home till later. And that was it. It kicked off. Well, during that day, there became a push and pull, massive push and pull between me and them of going, I've been in charge all week. I organised all of this. I don't want to go home yet. I want to stay. I want, uh, you know, and them going, we want to go. We want to go. We want to go. Do you remember anything about this day? I I, I remember that even uh, wanting to go, you couldn't go, right? I remember you had run, like we had switched somehow, somebody switched over from running uh, the generator off of the auxiliary to the engine, that's it. And then you had a gas issue. You didn't have you any gas. To leave. Yeah. So I had to get gasoline for the RV. That's <laughs> exactly it. Um, and so, like this I was, said, you know, part so of this, what cool. all I was going to say is that part, part of what I've learned after doing this for, I mean, I think I've now been to Burning Man 18 times. 18. Uh, yeah. Um, so. Wow. Uh, the 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 experience is there are you know that's why Jeff and I are great at this like we start a year in advance planning and when you get on the desert it's just like it feels like you've been doing it all year already right yeah and then there are always Hi. problems you know uh one year we went out we were literally we are driving on playa and we get a phone call that the scaffolding order is not going to come. Yeah. And everybody's freaking out. And now what are we going to do? We don't have a stage. We can't do anything. It's uh, We're supposed to start building today. And um, I'm like, just calm the fuck down. Yeah, right? don't panic. We'll solve the problem. Exactly. And, uh, uh, you are the problem solver. 13 hours later, I had four semi-tractor trailers pull up with scaff. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, and this and this is it, you know, like you said, like this was the and the, you know, why I mention it is because it, it was all part of part of my learning journey and part of that healing journey as to everything that happened, you know, the highs, the lows, the the every little problem that happened, the wishes that I made on the Tower of Babel and and all of that kind of thing. And and like you said. There were problems with the RV, so it was it was all going off all day. And and basically, what happened is I went to the kitchen, and I went to the kitchen tent, and I went behind the bar, and I stayed behind the bar, <laughs> and I was like, I'm just not fucking dealing with it. <laughs> I'm just going to stay here behind the bar and serve drinks, and everything will be all right. <laughs> That's right, and then. What's nice about this community is that they look after each other, right? Exactly that. And, and so I stayed there and I stayed there and I had a couple of drinks. And and then I think 
I hadn't eaten that much all week and I'd had a few drinks and all of the heat of the arguments and everything going off and me standing my ground and and it wasn't you know it it was I have to say and you know it was very much it wasn't really about my DJs as much as it was about their girlfriends wanting to go home I remember this I remember <laughs> at some point I was just like why are they even arguing like they can't leave right they can't leave until i fix the problem so stop the argument exactly matter. that and exactly that and it was it was a it was a little bit of a uh I and I had no I had no fallouts with the girlfriends before that or anything like that. But at that point, me and the girlfriends did fall out. It all kicked off and that was it. So what actually happened was I had a few drinks. Then I went over to the dome, and the dome hadn't been pulled down yet. And I got in the DJ box, and I started playing. Awesome. <laughs> now I'm not a DJ and I haven't done any DJing for that and I've looked after DJs all my life but but I got in the DJ box so I went from the bar and then I got in the DJ box and I sat in the DJ no, I stood in the DJ box and started playing and I remember people coming in going well, what's going on Sasha and then what happened was Will Bailey walked into the DJ box dumped my suitcase in the DJ box and then the boys fucked off out the desert with my RV Leaving me in the Roots Society camp, in the DJ box, doing what they were supposed to be doing. <laughs> Which is, is hilarious. Now, at the time, it was all kicking off and all of this. But at the time, I was like, I'm not arguing anymore. I'm not, I'm, I have to say, I'm not one to argue. I don't like arguing for people. I'm, re I'm really like, I will confront anything that needs to be argued. You know, if there's a if there's a problem, I'm not shy at confronting anything. But I just don't like arguing for arguing's sake, obviously. Um, and so, and so I was just like, I don't care, go. And so they went, and then and then obviously it kind of dawns on you like, ah, oh, I'm stuck in the desert and I've got no vehicle. Uh, what am I going to do now? <laughs> and I went and sat behind the fire, by the fire. And I remember being a pretty drunk by this point. Um, and I sat by the fire and I remember Jeff coming over to me and going, is everything all right? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, if you, cause I had, I had said to Jeff, if the worst case scenario, can, can I come home? Can I get out of here with you? Um, and of course he was like, you know, whatever, you know, you can get out of here with, with us. So I was like, okay. But so I'm sitting by the fire and I've got my suitcase next to me and it's like the Sunday and it's like the silent burn and I'm sitting by the fire going, what the fuck have I done? But oh, well, <laughs> and then the magical story of a guy come and sat next to me called CJ LeBeau. I'd never met him before, didn't know him or anything like that. And he came and sat next to me and he went, are you all right? And I was like, yeah. And the long and short of it was he then offered to give me a lift back to LA. Great. And I went back to his RV and it was an RV covered with smiley faces, all smiley faces. And there was four lovely LA burners in there. And CJ LeBeau, he did try and make a pass at me on the top as I'm like going out of the desert, feeling like the queen of the desert, literally. I'm on the top of the RV and I'm like, I'm fine. I'm loving it still. I don't care that I've not got my other RV. They can all welcome to it. 
and yeah made a bit of pass at me but I was like no 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 passing and it's just like it's all good and he took me back um to San Diego where I had a shower in this most amazing house um yeah. and then drove us back to LA and then I got back to LA and then got a flight to Vegas and then met Rich back there and got home okay so it Everything works out okay. Yeah. Everything works out. The playa gives and the playa takes. <laughs> it, it really does. And that, yeah, that 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 was my most amazing experience. And um, and yeah, like I would love for you to come back in a probably be in a couple of months now. Yeah, um, fine. but to just talk a little bit about what happened when I came back in 2014. Love it. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm thrilled to talk to you, thrilled to see you. I love you dearly. I love, I love you, you too. Thank you so much. And, and um and yeah, let's uh let's keep in touch and I'll uh, I'll send you the podcast when it's already. Okay, baby. Ciao. Ciao. Ciao.